This is No Stop Lights with Ken R. Another edition of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our good sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marlboro Pity Electric Co-op, Schofields, Ace Hardware, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. If, if Silicon Valley Bank can be bought by a, a bank founded in Raleigh, North Carolina, why can't a college dropout from a town with no stoplight talk about um, the alt-right, the new right, the, um, the geek squad meets anarchy? It's somewhat uh, of a descript as it relates to that. Um, you know, one of the challenges, I think, when it comes to um, First Citizens Bank buying um, Silicon Valley Bank will not be numbers. I mean, two plus two is four in California. It is in Raleigh. But when I think of Raleigh, I think of Mayberry. I think of um of Andy Griffith and Opie and Barney. And uh, and then I think of Silicon Valley. And I think of Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and Facebook. And, you know, so, some of the technology advancements and, and tech startups and companies that have made such, a, such an impact in our lives. Once again, I'm not suggesting that the merger can't work. I'm not suggesting that the government orchestrated buyout can't work. I, I'm just, I'm simply stating that I think there's going to be somewhat of a cultural shock for the way banking is done in Raleigh, uh, the, 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 the personal relationships that exist in the way First Citizens um, does the majority of its banking. And then in Silicon Valley Bank, you just got to believe there's going to be some cultural hurdles there that they'll have to um, endure, overcome, and, um, and, and say grace over. So, so, I'm not talking finance. I'm not talking banking. I'm not talking about the Fed. I, I am talking about the government to some degree. But but I want to go into one of the macro issues. I enjoy these macros because I do believe that the the political world from beginning to end will be full of brush fires. It'll be full of fits and rages. That there will be a period of time in America where abortion is the most important issue. Uh, homosexuality or gay marriage is center stage. Right now, we've talked a lot about transgenderism and gender dysphoria, and um, is it a mental illness or not? Is it a mental disorder or not? I mean, obviously, those contribute to the macro. They matter enormously, and they should be debated. They should be taken into account. But but there are some things, I think, that, that are much bigger, and, and one would be the federal debt. I mean, I, I believe sincerely, if we don't address our ability to constrain spending, I don't think it's a taxing problem by any stretch, of the imagination. I think it's a spending problem. Uh, we're taking in about $5.03 trillion in revenue. That should be a damn plenty to run the federal government, but we made promises, um, both recurring and redundant spending and, and some of the, um, some of the education spending. So some of the, uh, some of the new spending, uh, equals about 6.28 trillion. That's a macro. I mean, a macro issue is if you can't stop spending a trillion dollars, you don't have annually, you're, you're going to run into some some problems down the road. Others, energy. I mean, how do you power an economy? The largest economy in the history of mankind requires energy. And I think, you know, um, carbon-based energy has been very kind uh, to America and to the economy and the global economy. Um, that's a macro issue. One of the other macros that I think you can get real confused in trying to discuss and understand is the, ah, the debate about whether or not conservative policies can change a reform government what we're talking about energy we're talking about debt we're talking about some of these other is is the is the debate going to be forever about conservative policies or liberal policies historically in my adult life um the two parties have defined uh the primary reason they exist as i am a conservative party 
I am a liberal party. I am one for limited government, fiscal restraint. Doesn't matter what I do, I say that. That's what I run on. Or I am a liberal who believes that government has a almost a, a, an ordained responsibility to settle the scores of of, of impropriety in society, whether it's um, you know socioeconomic, whether it's cultural, whether it's uh, morality. Government needs to uh, almost become weaponized and in, in strongly encouraging certain sectors of our economy to do X, Y, or Z. I, I would land in the more conservative camp because I believe the less government we have, uh, the more we trust the private sector to perform on its own volition, the better off we'll be. Um, I can easily drift off into libertarianism, uh, if not anarchy at times, because government has so frustrated me in its ability to demonstrate competency. So, so let's stop there. Government has so frustrated me in its ability or its ability to be competent. It's Why is that? I mean, is government full of stupid people? I don't think so. Is government full of evil people? I don't think so. Is government full of like-minded people? Ah, okay. Now, now we're getting somewhere. They're not evil. They're not dumb. But they are very, very like-minded. So when we think of um, the party of limited government, and I'm talking about the party of Reagan, uh, the party of the Bushes, the Bushes would have been more globalist. And I, I guess one of the regrets of my lifetime is Reagan passing the baton to George H.W. Bush and him not having much of an interest in uh, the reform necessary to, to, to build a party upon the principles of the Reagan revolution. What about the globalism, interventionism? And historically, that's been the debate. I mean, that's been the majority debate. We, we, we've got one party over here that, that wants to take government and, 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 and orchestrate government in a way that creates equality. I want everybody to finish the race at about the same time. 58% of Democrat primary voters in America today would rather have socialism as an economic model to follow than capitalism. So, so I'm not insulting the Democrats. They said who they are. They want government to, to, to provide equality of outcome. This party over here wants government to get out of the way and do its, you know, allow the private sector to do its own thing. But so, so we've got a, We've got a fundamental ideological disagreement. You got one party here that believes in one uh, principle of government, another party here that believes in another principle of government. But but the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, you, you've got you've got philosophically um, misaligned uh, ideologies. Once again, the, the the Republicans, the conservatives, the Democrats, the liberals. But at the end of the day. They, they almost act as one. And what do I mean by that? Um, historically, we've had debates on big issues. We've had a balance of power in the, in the prospects of where we go when it comes to, let's think of a big issue recently. Um, I mean, there, there's, a, there's an enduring big issue, climate change. Um, climate change is, is an issue that, that nobody's sure of. I mean, I'm not, you're not. That the best weather expert in the world is is not the best modeler in the world is um, these organizations that receive government funding, but they know a lot more about it than I do. But they don't know what the damn temperature of the planet Earth is going to be a hundred years from now. So, so wouldn't it be to our advantage to have a an eventual debate, a, a serious, legitimate debate about you know what what are the prospects of the climate of, of the planet Earth and how can government intervene in a healthy and productive and competent way? to negate some of the um, some of the potential dangers, if indeed there are. I mean, I'm not sure there are, but, but I'm willing to consider that there are potential dangers down the road if man doesn't curtail its CO2 emittance. That's a fair debate, but we're not having that debate. 
Why aren't we having that debate? When when COVID hit, that would be the most recent big example. We were told from the get-go that the shot would stop the spread of the virus. The vaccine would create immunity amongst the people who uh, received the vaccine. And we weren't allowed to debate that. Um, it was one way and, and one way only. And anybody that, that kind of stepped out of bounds and disagreed with that, they were to some degree marginalized. Uh, they were attacked pretty passionately. But there, there were public personnel, Dr. Robert Malone, who was one of the um, one of the medical experts that founded the technology behind the mRNA virus uh, or te- behind the vaccine. He was deplatformed on social media. I mean, if, if Dr. Robert Malone doesn't deserve to speak on behalf of the pros and cons of the mRNA vaccine, who the hell does? I mean, the guy developed the technology and science partially. I mean, he never took full credit, but but he said, you know, I'm in the room. I mean, I'm one of the few people on the planet that understand the science and, and, and medicine and biology behind this vaccine. Malone, because he was contrary to the consensus, was not allowed to have a voice in the much-needed debate about, you know, the pros and cons of the vaccine, the pros and cons of lockdowns, the pros and cons of shutdowns, the pros and cons of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, the pros and cons of exposing children to imminent risk by taking a, an experimental vaccine. So you've got you've got climate change, which is kind of a long and enduring story. Um, the, the consensus is the science is settled, as Barack Obama famously said. He's a great scientist. I mean, he, he deserves to be listened to. So, so the great scientist Barack Obama says, the science is settled, let's move on. And, and essentially about half of America, three-quarters of America, they moved on. I mean, they, they kind of said, okay, the boss man said, it's settled, let's move on. Um, and, then, and then Fauci says, and the WHO says, and the CDC says, and the NIH says, and the president says, and, and we just kind of accept that at face value. That's where uh, I want to go the, today in, in, our, in our No Stop Lights podcast. I, I want to stay in that lane for a second, because there is a movement in conservative world. It's not conservative, but it's operating in the conservative bubble that they're using the conservative infrastructure and ecosystem to to try and advance an idea or or a premise that the only way to fix government in America today is blow it up. I mean, there's no, you're not going to slowly um, twist or turn this all-powerful entity um, Donald Trump would have been the disruptor. He would have been the wrecking ball. He would have been the middle finger um, to the man. But but Donald Trump is, I mean, Donald Trump has been successful in disrupting the status quo. Uh, the, the normalcy of American politics has been shaken to its core because Trump doesn't play by the same rules that everybody else does. But, but Donald Trump is simply a, a, a manifestation of a subconsciousness that, that America has kind of gathered or grasped or, or got a hold of that this thing just isn't working. I mean, you know, why aren't we debating climate change? Why, why didn't we have a debate about the vaccine, the pros and cons? Why, why are only a few people allowed to make the rules and everybody else has to, has to go along with? So when you think of, I'll use Reagan as a second ago, Reagan would have been a movement leader. I mean, Ronald Reagan was a conservative movement leader. I mean, a large personality, great communicator, um, a lot of intangibles that allowed him to be um, highly popular and able to get some things done within government. But but Reagan operated in a period of time where there was still rational debate. You, you had Tip O'Neill on one side who believed fundamentally in, in the role of government. Reagan believed in another 
um, another iteration of government. And and together, what we kind of worked through some disagreements and, and we governed as you'd like to see a representative republic uh, accomplish certain things. But but the, the argument, a lot of the folks, I mean, and I guess I would be one of these. I would be a member of the uh, of the dissident right. I mean, I'm one of these that doesn't believe we can fix what's already so horribly broken. I am uh, a supporter of blowing it up. Now, now when you blow it up, what, what does that look like? When, when you be, be careful what you ask for, because if you blow up a system of government that has endured for 240 years and has um has led to more human advancement, prosperity, eradication of disease, uh, I mean, you name it. America's been uh, a blessing to the world. No question about that. But nothing's forever. And we talked on this podcast, and uh, in, in, I guess in quite the pessimistic way, that nothing is forever. So when you think of Reagan and you think of Bush and you think of, uh, I mean, it's, it's the likely suspects. It's the John McCain's of the world. It's the Lindsey Graham's of the world. It's the Mitt Romney's of the world. Uh, it's the, uh, the Bob Dole's of the world. Um, it's the Marco Rubio's of the world. People that have gained a certain degree of political notoriety and fame. I don't think our future can be trusted to any of those people. That they're too accustomed to the to the traditional normal way of governing. And the argument I'm making is we're too far gone to expect a traditional reformation or a normal evolution to get us back to, you know, a um a, a better way of governing on behalf of the people. So so let's go down that road. I want to call some names. You ready? Peter Thiel. I'm going to ask my guy, Dave Baker, if he's ever heard of these guys. You ready? Dave, you're in the other studio. Yeah, okay, I'm here. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Peter Thiel. I've heard of him. Okay. Uh, Curtis Yarvin. I've heard of him. Tucker Carlson. Absolutely. J.D. Vance. Yep. Blake Masters. Yep. Elon Musk. Yes. Josh Hawley. Yes. Ted Cruz. Yes. Well, what, what do you, when I say those names, I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, that, that's, once again, that's not, I mean, that, that's not a list of conservatives, right? I mean, right. we don't know what Curtis Yarvin is. I mean, True. he would be somewhat of a libertarian. I mean, I'd argue Peter Thiel is an anarcho-capitalist, perpetually trying to reconcile anarchy and capitalism. Um, Thiel got very involved in the in the Trump campaign. Um, but 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 when when we when we talk about a transformation, when we talk about a major disruption in American politics, the people that I just mentioned, and I call it the Geek Squad for Anarchy. I mean, I say that somewhat jokingly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're they're all tech guys. Not all, but a lot of these people are tech guys. I mean, you could argue that Vance and Masters are Teal acolytes. I mean, they're protégés of, of Tealism. Um, Holly and Ted Cruz are converts. I mean, they're trying to figure out, okay, do I go this way or that way? Uh, on one side, I got Mitch McConnell and, and a lot of traditional influence and power. On the other side, I've got uh, Peter Teal, and and who knows where we go once we get in that train or get on board. Uh, with that car, but but they've coined the phrase, and we talked about it before, the cathedral. And but it, it, to me, it's one of the most interesting and curious aspects of American politics today. Curtis Yarvin actually coined the phrase the cathedral, and Yarvin is arguing um, that the only way to put America back on sound footed, to put America back on a solid course and a positive trajectory is not to elect better Republicans. It's to disassemble the system that has been built over these many, many years of garnering power, garnering influence. Um, and, and he says that the reason we're not having a debate, and this is me, not Yarvin, the reason we're not having a debate about COVID 
is there are so many people uh, within this cathedral who are monolithically motivated to give government more and more and more control. If every government agency is, is, is polluted with Yale graduates, Harvard graduates, Stanford graduates, Duke graduates, Princeton graduates, uh, you know, DART, excuse me, um, uh, Wharton School of Finance graduates, th- then what is the likelihood we have a fair representation of we the people? So, so the cathedral would be, I mean, in essence, Jarvin explains it. I mean, I'll read, uh, I mean, he's got a substack, a brief explanation of the cathedral. And Yarvin says the cathedral is that all modern world's legitimate, prestigious intellectual institutions, even though they have no central organized connection, believe in many ways or move, behave in many ways as if they were a single organizational structure. It's a pseudo structure. I mean, it's not a true structure. Um, they don't wink and nod. They have this preconception. They have this predisposition. They know what to do. Without speaking to one another, we've always believed the media was liberal, but but we we always felt they were able to compartmentalize their liberalism while they did their job as a journalist, and they were going to. I mean, I'm thinking about Walter Cronkite. We didn't find out after Cronkite died or after he retired that he leaned pretty significantly to the left. Yeah, we we kind of suspected that because he hosted an evening news, and we believed that um that they're there with a liberal bias, but not intentionally propagandizing or trying to create a narrative, a predisposition about where the debate is intended to go. So, so Yarvin and Teal and, and some of these others, um, I mean, Tucker Carlson would be a voice of that. He would be a convert into this. Um, and it's not a political ideology, but it really and truly isn't. I mean, it's, it's a dissident right. It's a new right. It's incompatible with traditional conservatism because it doesn't argue that government needs to get smaller. It argues that government needs to get more disorganized. That's kind of a weird way. Government needs, and I guess that was the intrigue with Trump. If Trump gets selected, if we elect a political a political blunt instrument, and he goes like a bull in a china shop, and he just erupts everything about normalcy in American politics, that there's a chance that that confusion sows more confusion. And the next thing you know, the cathedral doesn't know how to move monolithically. Um, politics is not a hard science. Um, uh, morality is not a hard science. Ethics isn't a hard science. I mean, we, we talked about First Citizens and, and Silicon Valley Bank. Banking is pretty much a hard science. I mean, sure, there are relationships. I mean, you've got a banker. I've got a banker. Our, our, our viewers and listeners have bankers. But at the end of the day, uh, you, you owe $277,000 on your mortgage. You owe $22,000 on your car. Uh, you got $17,000 in your 529 plan to help your kid, you know, graduate from college. I mean, those are, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, engineering, you got to have so much rebar and so much concrete to build a bridge across, across a river, across the wetlands. Um, yeah, they may struggle. I mean, they may aesthetically look different, but, but the engineering science behind it is very hard. And, and we're trying to almost treat politics and governing as a hard science. And, and the way you... The way you allow it to become a hard science is everybody says the same thing. Everybody believes the same thing, and they move like a glacier. Um, COVID, debt, uh, uh, whatever. I mean, whatever issue that comes along, education, um, Trump, Biden. No, no, once again, they're not, I mean, it's not the church, the Catholic church, what would have been a central organization still is, 
a central organization. In medieval times, the church in general, what would have been that central organization? And and Yarvin and Teal and some of these others are arguing that the only way to get America to a better place, I'll give you an example. The, the majority of these guys believe, I don't know about Hawley and, and Vance saying, um, and, you know, the ones that hold office, I mean, they got to be a little more careful. But but the Tucker Carlson's of the world, the um, the Peter Teal's of the world, the Curtis Yarvin's of the world, uh, the Blake Masters, since he didn't win in Arizona, they believe that the, the next president who represents the dissident right, the alt-right, the first thing they need to do is fire about 35,000 government employees. Is that how you disrupt the cathedral? Well, I mean, that, that's their or argument. A start? Now, now I, w- I want to reiterate, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're talking about opinions and we're, we're talking about soft sciences here. <laughs> I mean, this is not a hard science. I mean, I can look on my phone and tell you how much money I got in the bank. Probably as much as I'd like to have in the bank, but it's a hard number. I mean, it's a very declarable number. So, so when you ask, is that how you disrupt government? Hell Yeah. But is that how you fix government? No idea. I mean, I don't have any idea if that's how you fix. There is no question that's how you disrupt government. Is that how you fix government? I, I don't have any idea. But but the these 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 prestigious intellectual institutions have become occupied, commandeered, taken over by a subset of our population that don't have much in common with the rest of us. I mean, I I, I don't want to quote here because I could be I'm checked on this and I'll. I'll be as inexact as I need to be, but of the X number of government agencies and the X number of administrative heads, and I'm talking about department heads, the, the, the real important jobs within our government, I think 40% of those people came from five universities in America. I mean, you can say, well, that's good. I mean, they came from Harvard. They came from Stanford. They came from the best, and, and, and you know, they, they're the best and brightest. But it I means mean, they think very, well, I mean, you, very you, much they alike. They have to think very similarly, Rev. If they, if they didn't, we wouldn't have um, the conundrum. I mean, if, if America was run by really bright, competent people, we wouldn't have $33 trillion in debt. We wouldn't have made as many mistakes in COVID as we did. We'd have a fair and equal and impartial debate on climate change. But but the, 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 the Curtis Yarvins of the world are arguing that the only way to get to a better place, I mean, it's not elect a better president. It's not elect a better Congress. I would imagine... That that would be, I mean, if you gave me option one, I'd say, hey, let's select a damn good president. Let's select a real good Congress and let's let Congress do its job, legislate, appropriate, uh, work hand in hand with the president. But but I believe, as some of these guys do, that that's, that's just wishful thinking. I mean, you got to be realistic. I mean, that, it, 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 if, it, what was, Dream on. What be John Lennon? You know, imagine. Yeah. I mean, imagine in a world where, yeah, I mean, I'd love to imagine that that is achievable and possible. And, and some of the um, some of the Mitt Romneys of the world and, you know, the Chuck Schumers of the world will say, uh, you know, we got to get back to working together. We got to go. Well, I mean, you can't work together. You've proven the inability to work together and solve America's problems because you're not capable of doing any of these things. Uh, and, and the majority of the reason is they become incredibly beholden to other members of the cathedral. So who is the cathedral? I mean, to me, I'll give you my, my definition. The cathedral is an exclusive group of people very like-minded, um, and even if they're not like-minded, when you become a member of the cathedral, it's hard to not be like-minded. It's easy to be like-minded. The glacier's moving this way. Am I going to be the one that kind of says, whoa, I don't like the way the glacier's moving, debt, COVID, climate change, whatever some of the uh, energy, and you start pulling back. Next thing you know, you're out here on an island by yourself, and you've exposed yourself and your career and your livelihood and your well-being to... um 
to something other than your best interest. So, so to your point, is that the way to fix it? I don't have any idea. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what it looks like. If Yarvin and Teal and Vance and Masters and Tucker and, and a lot of radio show hosts who kind of uh, give credence to the alt-right movement, and by that I mean the dissident right, the the new right, it's not conservative. I mean, nobody would accuse Curtis Yarvin of being conservative. He's more of a libertarian. Peter Teal would be an anarcho-capitalist. I mean, if you ask Teal about, you know, hey, what is your governing philosophy? I mean, it's pretty obvious to me the reason Teal was such a big supporter of Trump is the disruptor factor, the chaos factor. If we're ever going to begin the turn and get to a better way of governing America, you've got to you've got to elect a chaotic figure. And Trump brought a lot of chaos uh, to the White House, brought a lot of chaos to Washington. Now, now some believe that's bad. We got to have stable government. We got to have consistent government. Do we? I mean, if, if government is terrible. Do we want it stable? Do we want it consistent? I mean, if your wife's a horrible cook, I mean, you want it to be stable and consistent? Hell no, I want something else to eat. I mean, I want something better uh, than that. So, so and, and it is a mystery. It's a mysterious, it's a soft science. There is no uh, definable prospects of what exactly the cathedral is. Do members of the cathedral, are they aware and do they think and do they know that they are part of a cathedral? Or does it just sort of happen? That's a good question. I, I would argue that the majority are ambitious in becoming a member. And then here's what we don't know. How long has the cathedral been in place? I mean, how long? I mean, the, 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 the Republicans have historically been what? They've been kind of an interventionist. And I'm talking about post-Reagan. They've been an interventionist globalist party. Well, if you want to be a part of the cathedral, you, you better be somewhat of a... J.D. Vance said recently, Senator from Ohio, who is to me a member of the new right, J.D. Vance says, and, and I, it was kind of caught me off guard what he said, and he said, basically, I don't care what happens in Ukraine. I mean, I don't care. Republicans can't say that and get away with it unless something different is happening in the American electorate. Um, we've seen the numbers on Ukraine. But historically, Rev, this conservative, um, liberal debate about neoconservatism and, you know, um, uh, liberal redistributionism, that's, that's being... But, but J.D. Vance says, I mean, just, just verbatim, I don't care what happens in Ukraine. I'm more interested in the prospects of the people in Ohio, the, the worker, the family. And, and if we're going to get to a better place, and, and this is the point I want to make, but because, I mean, you can get real, real confusing uh, going down this road because you're asking me, do they know they're a member of the cathedral? Th- they would deny being a member of the cathedral, but they know they're one of the 100 or 200 people in our government that decide which direction we go or not. I mean, I don't that probably a little more. I mean, here's an interesting question. How many people are in the cathedral? Hmm. I mean, that, that would be a better question. I mean, Yarvin may know the answer to that. Teal may know the answer to that. Tucker may know uh, the answer to that. But, but, but when, when you, when you, let's take climate change, for an example, I'm getting so fast ahead of my, I get excited talking about this because <laughs> it's a macro issue and I believe it with every fiber of my being. I mean, I really believe that the issue of climate change that the reason we've not had a debate about climate change is the cathedral made its mind up what was in their best interest. And, and if you're in the cathedral, what, what do you don't want? You don't want inaction. So if, so if you deny climate change or climate, if you're not a climate alarmist, that the natural thing is, hey, let's sit tight and do nothing and see how some of this works itself out. Let's come back and measure the temperature of the planet Earth 100 years from now. I mean, that would be reasonable. I mean, the Earth's been here multiple billions of years. 
I mean, if you're one of these new earthers, you'd say several thousand. I, I mean, I, I have a biblical worldview, but I don't think, say, the earth is multiple billions of years old is inconsistent with a biblical worldview. But, but, but if you're in the cathedral, what do you want? I mean, you've got power and influence. What do you want? You want to act upon that power and influence. So when somebody says, let's come back in 100 years and check the temperature of the planet Earth, the oceans, you know, rising or not, that's inaction. So, so that's 100 years that we're not going to abuse our power and privilege. We have the ability to influence. We have the power to control. And you're telling me we're not going to take advantage of that for 100 years? We're not going to force people to stop buying internal combustion engines? We're not going to mandate of certain um, sectors of the economy to decarbonize. We're, we're not going to insist that a certain percentage of our electricity is generated by solar and wind. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mean to tell me we're going to keep on keeping on when we've got this chance to assume even more power and control over our economy? If we we're, set that deadline for 12 years, we have to act. Well, I mean, we're the cathedralist. That's what we're expected to do. We're expected to act. We don't not act. We don't not take action. I mean, we're in control. We are the intellectual institutions, the intellectual and prestigious institutions that control the fate of America. How can we not act if we have an opportunity to? Same thing with COVID. I mean, to me, the reasonable thing to do with COVID was to try and take measured advances. Um, Hey, here's what we know about the vaccine. Here's what we don't know about the vaccine. In no time, we found out what the high-risk categories were, right? So, so I think government in its, in its proper authority would have said, hey, some of you high-risk folks, we're, we're going to incentivize you to become vaccinated. I mean, whether it's obesity, diabetes, age, whatever, those risk factors were, we need to kind of hurry those to the front of the line. But the cathedral doesn't know how to do that. Because once again, the cathedral is a cadre of academics, a cadre of media, a cadre of bu- uh, government bureaucrats who enjoy being in charge. And, and there, there's no way they're going to fall asleep at the switch. When given an opportunity to assume more control, more influence, they're always going to do it. So, so Yarvin's premise is, hey, let's stop thinking about who has the best agenda. Let's stop worrying about tax policy. I mean, obviously, we'll get to that. Let's stop worrying about the federal debt. The, the most important thing we can do today is tear the system down. And, and he's trying to identify the system. So, so when someone says, what is this damn deep state you're talking about? I mean, well, what is this conspiracy you're talking about? I mean, you, you, you want me to believe that there's a, a group of people within our government, within academia, within the media that operate as one. They don't even email one another is what you're telling me. I mean, they wink, you know, they don't have to wink and nod. Cronkite doesn't have to, to, to kind of understand what is expected of him by CBS News. He knows that. I mean, he absolutely, I'll give an example. So, so meet the press. George Stephanopoulos, uh, this week, whatever the show is on Sunday mornings, which have become kind of worthless, but they are what they are. Uh, the, the majority of their content is not of Chuck Todd's making or George Stephanopoulos' opinions. Um, look at the sponsors. Pfizer, Boeing, uh, Moderna, Corporate America, um, Green Energy. The, the, those companies, I mean, that's part of the cathedral. Pfizer is a part of the cathedral. Green energy is a part of the cathedral. The CEOs of the biggest green energy corporations of the world are part of the, the cathedral. And, and here's what's happening. So Trump brings in chaos and disruption. May do it again. I don't know. Um, but there has to be some intellectual underpinning. And, and the, the point I've tried to make is I like the bull in the China shop. But, but what do we do once all the China's broken? I mean, do we try to put it together in its former state? Do we go buy exact replicas? No, hell no. 
because the China shop sucked. I mean, the China was no good. I mean, the country was horribly governed. And, 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 I, and I love it when people say Trump's the most dangerous man in America. Good. I mean, he should be. I mean, it, Trump, if you're in the cathedral, he well, should be dangerous well, to but, you. But, but see, I don't even think Trump grasped this. I mean, I think Trump's plenty smart. You don't end up on the good side of a multiple billion dollar found, you know, um, family fortune without being bright. I mean, I don't think, I mean, if you believe Trump's dumb, you'll get exactly what you deserve. I mean, he may not be the most um, polished politician. He may not be the most reverent or, or, or decent man you've ever met. But Trump's no fool. What, what Trump doesn't understand, I don't think, Reb, is the intellectual sophistication he's up against. What, what are some of the big mistakes Trump made? He trusted Fauci, right? He hired John Bolton. I mean, I know he was a chaotic president. He was a, a bull in the china shop. But, but he put in place, he did not disrupt the cathedral anywhere near as much as he needed to. And, and if I were running for president today, the first thing out of my mouth would, would be, if I get elected, I'm firing 35,000 federal employees. And if someone said, well, who are they? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm firing 35,000 employees because I believe there's a cathedral. I believe there's this, um, this, this, this modern core or this coordination of these modern intellectual and prestigious institutions and agencies, but there's nothing prestigious about the department of, um, agriculture. There's nothing prestigious about the department of transportation, but their department, he is, I'll assure you are elite bureaucrats who probably graduated from one of those six or seven schools who have a very similar worldview and honestly don't care about anything other than having control, staying in control, and garnering more and more and more control. So what the Republican Party has to do, and many traditional Republicans disagree with this. I mean, the majority honestly do. Um, But what the Republican Party has to do is figure out a way to collaborate, to coalesce, um, to understand because I don't believe there's any debate. I mean, I, I really and truly, I don't think there's a legitimate debate any longer about limited government or not. I mean, you can romance, you can read. I mean, I read Atlas Shrugged. I agree with about 90% of what's in the book when Ann ran. But, but in all honesty, big government won. I mean, Republicans have been a part of endorsing big government time and time again. Uh, I know that because they've not reformed Social Security or Medicare. They've not, they've not addressed the debt in any way, shape, or form, any meaningful fashion. They spill $800 billion on, on, uh, on defense spending. It's kind of interesting. I read something uh, this week about if we don't continue to invest in the American military, the Chinese will become superior. The Chinese are spending about $311.15 billion. We're spending about $850 billion. How in the hell are the Chinese keeping up if we're spending half a trillion dollars a year more than they are in, in military armaments? But because all the money's not going where the money's supposed to go, because the cathedral's got to get their piece of the pie. If we're spending eight hundred billion on our defense budget, the cathedral's probably getting half that in consulting, lobbying, uh, what, what the relationship the military industrial complex has has with America. But but and, and I want I want to be clear here: it's not a structure identifiable. It's not you don't drive up to the cathedral like you do the uh, the Empire State Building. I mean, where's the cathedral? That's over. I don't, I, don't, I don't see a cathedral. What are you talking about, man? I mean, I see the Empire State Building. I, I see the football arena. I, I see Wrigley Field. I mean, I, you know, I can relate to that. I've heard about those. I've seen those. I, I can touch and feel that. You're telling me to believe in this pseudo structure that I can't see. I, but but, but it, you're conspiratorial enough to believe it moves as one? Yes. Without question, it moves at one. And, and America has to come to grips with, with that fact. 
And and for a long time, and I mean this sincerely, for a long time, the Peter Teals, the Curtis Yarvins, the J.D. Vance, the Blake Masters, the the Josh Hawley, and Hawley and Cruz are converts. I mean, they see the wind blowing. They understand the momentum behind the dissident right. Um, and it's kind of interesting, the the prepper and the hippie, the liberal hippie, and and, and the and the you know the the libertarian preppy, they they almost converge here. But because what is the hippie historically not like? The man, right? Who did the hippie think the man was? The cathedral, right? Sure. Yeah. The, the, the conservative yeah. defended the cathedral. I mean, the, the military industrial complex, you know, the government, uh, the FBI, the CIA. I mean, the FBI could be trusted. The CIA could be trusted. I mean, the, the federal government would never do that to his own people. Well, now we found out the hard way. And I think the, I mean, I think the gift that Trump gave to the political world was what they were willing to do to stay in charge. I mean, I've said that over and over again. I mean, Donald Trump's enduring legacy will be love Trump, hate Trump, uh, hope he wins in 24, hope he doesn't even win the nomination, hope he gets indicted and goes to jail for the rest of his life. I get it. I mean, I understand the broad range of opinions people have of Donald Trump. But the one thing Trump undeniably did for American politics is, is show us as clearly as anybody ever has that there's an on hand, there's an all hands on deck effort to make sure the cathedral's missions are not interrupted, that their plans are not disrupted, their um their methodologies will not be deviated. They are going to be in control. And and the best two examples I can give is what I gave earlier. When when COVID hit, they seized the moment. They did things that we would never to me. I mean, we would imagine that could happen in Europe, certainly in some of the communist nations, but not in the good old US of A. I mean, there's no way. We would circle the wagons around a consensus that had no databases, no scientific founding, no, no intellectual underpinning, but we did. And why did we do that? Because once again, there is no balance of power in our government. It, it's a monolith, and it's, it's academia. It's the majority of prestigious universities and professors. It's, it's media. It's journalism. I mean, there, there's a narrative that, that is going to be advanced, and it's the narrative of the, of the cathedral. And, and the concern I have is... It's not sending emails anymore. I mean, I, I said it one time before. It's almost, they tell me, I don't know much about hockey, but they say the greatness of Wayne Gretzky was he knew what you were going to do before you did it. Uh, Larry Bird would be somebody similar to that. Magic Johnson, a basketball player, kind of I'm dating myself here now. But I mean, those guys got accused of passing the ball where they knew you were going before you knew that's where you were, you were going. I think the cathedral is very similar to that. It's spooky. It's scary. Um, if you want to know more, um, I'll, I'll tell you something fun to do. Google Curtis Yarvin, Google Peter Thiel, um, Google the cathedral. That There's a lot of interesting analysis, opinions. It's becoming far more mainstream. And here's what's happening. A lot of young people, a lot of younger dissidents um, are looking around at what the cost of college is. They're, they're, they're worried about climate change. They, they look at the budget. They look at federal debt. And they're going like, Really? We're going to trust the traditionals. We're going to trust the legacy model of government, of self-government. I mean, there, there's no doubt that, that America has a legacy of self-government that it should be proud of. But, but nothing endures forever. And sooner or later, the government is controlled by people who all think the same, act the same, react the same. And I think that's where we are. Um, I mean, Harvard, Yale, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, um, they're not, they're not on just the same page. I mean, they're reading the same sentence of the same page. 
And when something comes along, it's like synchronized swimming. I mean, it's, all, it's almost like simultaneously they know exactly what needs to be done. And, I mean, you're a big music fan. I'm a big music fan. I love to go to concerts. Um, mm-hmm. You think they just show up one day and decide, hey, let's, let's play it this way. Or, no, I mean, they, they work hard at it. I mean, rock and roll is rock and roll, but rock and roll is probably hard work. If you've risen to the um, to the highest ranks of be our country music or whatever. I mean, opera, uh, jazz, what, whatever, whatever tra- craft or trade that you're trying to perfect, you, you got to work at it. I mean, you got to really dedicate a lot of time, energy, and effort. And, um, and, and I, you know, I, I want our listeners and viewers, and I mean this sincerely, um, you don't owe me any favors, and I certainly don't give out, I don't give out homework. But I think you owe it to yourself. If you believe that the perpetual debate is and always has been conservative and liberal, I, I don't think that the future of American politics lies in the conservative camp. I don't think it lies in, in the liberal camp. I am a conservative. By definition, I am for limited government, I am for more personal responsibilities, liberties, and freedoms, but I think that's done. I mean, you don't get $33 trillion in debt by having a legitimate debate about limited government. Big government won. Now we got to decide who's going to be in charge of big government. And I want diversity. Not diversity of color, not diversity of religion, not diversity of, um, you know, what sports team do you pull for. I want people who don't think the same. And right now, these government agencies, these media outlets, academia, these prestigious universities, the decisions that are being made that impact the way our government moves and progresses are being made by people who almost think exactly the same thing. And that must change. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout Northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances, they're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields, Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies, Pepsi of Florence. Also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams Bryce and Colonial Life. Arena, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op. If you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center, uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at mpdccoop or pdec.com. 